you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. hello everybody i hope you're doing well i hope you're staying cool i hope you're enjoying a break from school before it starts for so many of us this month later this month uh i'm living up every free minute uh, and the minutes are not so free. Camp is a much more difficult schedule to keep a handle of than school because they're changing camp. They want to leave camp early. They want to have a sleepover and then they're not going to camp the next day. It's just been a free for all. Uh, so yeah, pluses and minuses. But uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that I wanted to bring it back to sort of what I do and this topic of this podcast, interior design, right? Is I haven't really found a good handyman team out here in Connecticut. And I find without a good, reliable handyman team, it's hard to get stuff done, especially when there's so much to do. My husband doesn't really uh, do home repairs. He doesn't even change light bulbs. And I could change light bulbs and do change light bulbs and used to do all sorts of things, but I'm pregnant. I'm tired. Can't even lift boxes upstairs. There's just a lot of stuff and it's an older house. So I don't want to personally put holes in these plaster walls, even though I didn't hesitate to hang up pictures in our sheetrock department. We need a good handyman. So I've been putting off lots of things because I don't have a team out here. And I regularly use a team for our jobs in the city. I've been working with them for a decade. They are so amazing. And they put together my whole last house, which was much closer to the city, and my apartment and everything. So I said to myself, I said, Betsy, what is the hesitation? Just get that team out here. Pay whatever it takes for the travel fee and get them out here because you have a list a mile long of things like hanging artwork, laying down some large rugs, moving furniture from one floor to another, stuff that's just not going to get done unless you find someone and finding someone proves difficult. Uh, I've posted, I've chatted. I don't know why Connecticut seems to have no handyman services, but that's another issue for another day. So I call the company 
there is a travel fee. It is exorbitant. Fine. They come out here for nine hours and they get through nearly my entire list. It's amazing, transformative. My kids are at school and then sort of in their rooms doing their own thing. And when they come out, my daughter says, this place feels like home. And it nearly broke my heart because we've all been struggling with our house, having it feel like home. So many things going on between school and everything and me not feeling good and just everything. So the house has been the last priority because I also didn't have a team, right? So I just didn't have anyone to call and finding someone to call was proving very difficult. Um, And she was right. It does feel like home and where we were feeling like we didn't want to have people over. Now my husband's like, let's have, you know, a couple of friends over. Let's do something. It's amazing how hanging some pictures, hemming some drapes, moving furniture, laying down some additional rugs has changed all of our perspectives. And it's given me a renewed interest in just getting this place done because you know, I took that break around the holiday and then started feeling sick and then had to be catching up with work. And it's just been an overwhelming time. But I think really devoting my energy to finishing this place, even though the long lead times are back, people, the long lead times that we'd seen sort of disappear from January to say June are now back 14 to 16 weeks for a sofa, all of that fun jazz. But it's going to be worth the wait and it's time to pull the trigger. And, you know, it's time to kind of set that foundation so that we feel more at home at home. I think a part of me's had trouble committing to it. So funny. You get the dream house, you like do whatever it takes to get it. You write the letter to the previous homeowners, letting them know how much you're going to love it. And then you move in and it can be overwhelming. It can be hard to acclimate to a new community. And I think we were all feeling a little noncommittal. And just by having our pictures up from our old house, I've just noticed this major commitment from my family and investment in this space. So it's been really nice. Anyway, that's all I have to share today. Uh, Let's get into your questions. So my first question today comes from Hannah. Hannah's writing all the way from Clifton Springs, New York. It's not too far. She writes, hey, Betsy, I need help with wall decor in my living room. As you can see, my gray sofa on the back wall is off-centered with a chair on the right. Where do I place my artwork on the wall? I want to do a large photo gallery. Do I center it over the sofa? The sofa is pulled off the wall by about 20 inches. I don't want things to seem off center. I plan to hang a gold mirror over the beige sofa. You can see the mirror leaning against the wall next to the TV at the moment. I know the TV stand is too narrow, but it's not a priority to spend money on that at this time. I don't have an inspiration piece for this room. I'm thinking of getting tie-up curtains to hang over the window in a colorful pattern that would serve as an inspiration piece. What are your thoughts? I would never use them as I have the pull-down shades, so I wouldn't have the hassle of untying and retying. I'd love to hear any thoughts that you have. 
Okay, well, Hannah, let's get into it. So, guys, if you're wanting to visualize what Hannah is describing, all you have to do is go to our YouTube. And then you can see everything in affordable interior design on YouTube. So you can get a real sense of the space and what she's referring to. Just to give you a sense, if you're listening, say you're doing the dishes or driving your car like I do when I'm listening to podcasts, I'll give you a sense of what I'm seeing here. So yes, there are some very large, well, there's a very large gray sofa with a matching recliner. And by large, it's not large in length, but it's very commanding in terms of it's bulky. And I have a feeling it's a reclining sofa, which may be why it's 20 inches off the wall, unsure. And then on the perpendicular wall, there's an opening to another room and a beige sofa that's tufted. And then as we make our way around the room, there's a larger opening on the next wall to the dining area. And that's where the TV is with that narrow TV stand and the mirror next to it. And then our last wall is pretty much taken up with these amazing panoramic windows that have a long window seat with storage underneath. So let's get to these questions. The first question is, where do you place your artwork? Well, here's the thing. I don't love the room's layout. The room is very long. And let me just guesstimate here. I love to guesstimate. Even when I'm working with my clients, I love to just guesstimate before I measure. I don't know. This is just how I get my kicks. But I would say four. I'd say this room is like 21 feet long by 14 feet wide. That's what I'm going to say. 21 by 14. So it's quite deep. And right now, all the furniture is hugging the perimeter of the wall of the room. So everything's kind of pushed against these walls, even though the one sofa is 20 inches away. And there's a huge void left in the middle. It just looks conspicuously empty. It's bothering me that we have a matching sofa and recliner and then this other sofa that's a totally different style, a totally different profile with its tufting, its legs, whereas the gray ones are chunky and contemporary. The one that's beige is more transitional. And then I know that you're wanting to do drapes with tie backs. But this window is kind of inset and underneath is that seating, as I was mentioning, that window seat, which means that the drapes are either going to be outside the window box completely, kind of on the walls that surround the window, which is going to look a little odd, or they're going to be inset. And that means that they're going to eat up some of this beautiful panoramic window, especially if they're tiebacks, which is going to eat up even more of your window unless they're somewhat sheer, but even then. And then they're going to be resting on this window seat, which I think is very weird. Additionally, when you rest on a window seat, typically you do the corners, right? Because then you have some back support. Uh, and the corners are where this fabric is going to pull. And my problem with that is then you're resting on fabric. Now, already, let me just get on my window box high horse. 
nobody besides your cat really sits in a window box if there's comfortable furniture in the room, right? If it's an office space and there's no other comfortable seating like an armchair or a small love seat, then people might sit in a window seat to like be on their laptop for a moment. But in this living room that has very comfortable sofas, why would anybody sit in a window seat where the only back is the partial wall where you're kind of resting your body against the glass window? For me, they're just not always practical. They're not always actually used for what they're for. And the pets love them. But, you know, my clients who are always clamoring for ones aren't thinking practically about how they'll use it day to day and they wind up not using it. Why am I going there? Well, it's really just more of a decorative, aspirational piece. And so maybe that would influence where you put the pillows, but I don't feel confident about drapes here at all. Okay, now let's get to your question. Sorry, I just have to really go there. About artwork. Well, you know, the thing, the reason that I'm talking about all these other details, why I'm talking about the drapes, why I'm talking about the furniture is because I do everything else before I do artwork. Now, maybe I've already selected artwork if it's my inspiration piece or something like that. But I really have a plan for not only the room's layout, but also the room's intention before I even think about art. And here, this room has a lot of zones which feel unintentional. So I would be asking myself, why do I have these two mismatched sofas in this space? What do I want to use as the primary piece of seating? And if it's going to be the gray sofa that's opposite the TV, First of all, do I have the TV in the correct spot? Question mark, question mark, because we do have um, other options and I like to try every option before I settle in. But also, then I think your couch is way too far from your TV. Now, you'll want to do the measurement that I talk about, which is you want to take the measurement of the TV. Well, anyway, here's what I'm trying to get at. You want to make sure that the sofa is the appropriate distance from the TV. And for me, this is way too far from the TV. So what you would do is you would take the sofa. So basically, you take from where you sit on the sofa to the screen of the TV. You take that number in inches and divide it by two. And that's how big your TV should be. And... That is what is happening here is I think that your TV is just way too small for the distance of the space or you need to start closing the space in. Now you say, Betsy, if I bring this gray sofa more than 20 inches off the back wall, if I bring it in five feet, as you're suggesting, what am I going to do behind there? Well, you already have some built-in shelving on the side, so we probably wouldn't want to do that. But is there another function that this room needs? Is there something else? Because right now the huge void in the middle is making this space look really unintentional. And then the other issue that's compounding that is that it's carpeted. So we can't use an area rug to define a smaller zone. 
what I'm trying to get at here, Hannah, is you've put the cart before the horse. And the horse being we really need to get a grasp on this furniture layout before we even worry about the gallery wall, the additional art. The other thing that you've kind of neglected that should be a primary focus when you're deciding the room is first thing as I do the layout, create the floor plan, make sure it's solid, make sure all the furniture makes sense and that the room is functioning the way I want it to. Second, I will create the color palette, which means I will have the inspiration piece as an anchor. So not only have you not firmed up step one, we have not firmed up step two. Drapes are a very difficult thing to make the inspiration piece. The only reason that's difficult is not because it's not a good choice. Typically, they're long. Typically, they're filling up a wall. Typically, sometimes they will be closed. So that would be a very big visual element in the room. What I mean is that there's just not a lot of selection of drapes that have three Roy G. Bib colors or more and that you're going to love. So it can be a difficult inspiration piece to find. It's easier to find artwork or easier to find an area rug. In this case, we won't be doing an area rug because putting a, a rug on top of plush carpeting is not going to be um, the best idea. I would do that with a very low profile carpeting, like a commercial grade. But you could easily do this with a big piece of art, right? And if you're going to use a big piece of art, that means that um, that would dictate where your gallery wall goes, right? And then you mentioned this mirror. Now, this mirror is not very big. It's roughly the size of the TV, which is not very big. Let me see where you said you were going to put it. Over the beige sofa. I don't think it's big enough. Now, don't forget my formula. The width of the mirror should be 50 to 75% of the length of the sofa in order to go above it and look proportional. Now, my concern here is that the mirror is relatively small. And so it's really going to not only dwarf that wall, but look like it's a small floating piece above this elongated beige sofa. I think you have a lot of thinking to do here, Hannah, but you should not be thinking about gallery walls or mirrors until you've solved step one and step two. So sorry to give you a little more homework, but guys, here's what I'm finding. When you don't plan in advance, when you don't design a room with that strong game plan, you're basically playing whack-a-mole. Not only whack-a-mole with what it's going to look like, but also how it's going to flow. And sometimes it can look like you made one decision after another, like dominoes, kind of reacting to something versus going in with a strong plan and a strong vision so that you're not just arbitrarily, oh, here's an issue, let me solve it. Here's an issue, let me solve it. And then everything sort of looks haphazard. That's what I'm gonna say. I see that a lot. And I know it's hard to step back and make a game plan for the room, especially when you already have pieces that you've committed to, but it's even more essential when you have pieces you're reusing because already it might feel a little haphazard. So we definitely need to rein it in and get that strong vision. And so I don't wanna answer questions. I don't wanna answer step three until you've done one and two. Hannah, do one and two and come back to me with the gallery wall mirror question. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. 
Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Okay, my next question for today comes from Justine. Justine is writing in from Philadelphia. She writes, Hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for all that you do to help with design dilemmas. I'm so grateful for your podcast and I've learned so much. I'm struggling with the entry and dining room of our home. I was hoping you could help me. We have a small house and during COVID, we had walls removed to open up the entry, dining and kitchen area to bring in more light. It feels so much bigger and we are happy with it. But I am struggling with how to separate the entry from the dining room now that there are no walls. The front door opens into the dining room. Should I add some sort of storage piece against the wall under the stairs? There is a chair there now, but we are getting rid of it. Would you suggest that we switch to a round dining table and chairs? The current dining room table is very bulky, as are the chairs, and neither of them are my style. I was thinking a round table might make the area seem larger, and maybe a buffet would work to separate the entryway from the dining room. I'm attaching two different views of the entry dining kitchen area. Any suggestions would be appreciated. Okay, Justine, let's get into it. So let's see here. Just to describe it for those of you listening, when you walk in, immediately opposite the entry door is a set of stairs leading upstairs. And then as you walk to the left, you'll see the dining area. And it is just right there, which is open to the kitchen area, which has a marble topped island with a um, wrought iron base. So it's very open. Yeah. And so you can easily see the dining and the kitchen the minute you walk in. Now, one thing that I get concerned about when I see this is I worry that the dining becomes a different D word. It becomes the dumping ground. Now, I don't know if this is really how you and your family come into this space. There might be a mudroom or an entrance from the garage. But if this is really how you enter the space sometimes, what you're going to be looking for right away is a place to put your purse, your keys, your, I don't know, satchel, whatever you're carrying, right? And when you don't have a different surface, typically an entry type surface, whether it's a console or something like that, a hall tree, 
what happens is you dump on the dining table because it's the first available surface. And because you don't have a hook for your coat, you put your coat or jacket on the back of a dining chair and you keep it moving and things get very cluttered. And in order to actually eat at this dining table, you have to clear it off night after night. So there's one partial wall that still remains from the entryway. And with only two photos, I don't have an amazing angle and I certainly don't have a good view of this partial wall. Now, that partial wall that somewhat separates the entryway from the dining area could be a really nice opportunity to put some kind of console with mirror or some kind of hall tree if you don't have a mudroom later, just some sort of place to put things. But since you didn't bring that wall up, I'm going to assume it's very small. I'm going to assume that we really don't have a usable wall there. And it's really just the 18 to 24 inches that I'm seeing in this image. Okay. Now that means that we're going to need to use a different wall. And if you do want to have what feels like an entry moment, I would be using the wall that goes up the stairs, right? Because it is in that foyer area and it would kind of be facing the dining table. So it could serve as additional storage for platters, etc. But maybe the drawers are utilized for things like a dog leash. I see an adorable dog in this picture or things like that. The thing that I would definitely do, toot sweet, is I would get rid of the armchair that's currently in the place of where I'm suggesting that the console goes. And the reason I'm suggesting that is because the last thing we need in here is an armchair. Like, what are people using that for? Uh, it looks like you're trying to shove a living room into the dining room and into the foyer and into the kitchen. And it's weird because we have other chairs right next to it. Now, yes, they're not upholstered. They are wooden dining chairs, but it feels very unusual to have this overstuffed armchair right opposite these wooden dining chairs. So get rid of that and put that console there as a good way to kind of transition the zones. And then it can do double duty as a buffet as well as an entry console. Now, let me go back to your questions to make sure that I answered them. Oh, here we go. Here's one that I didn't answer about the shape of the table. Now, guys, this is not a decision I'm going to make for you. This is a decision that math geometry is going to make for you. Do you guys remember my rule? If you don't remember my rule, it means that you need my book. You'll want to go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes where you can purchase my book. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to purchase that book. Because here's what I'm seeing. First of all, you know if you need a circular table, if you have a square space. So square spaces take circular tables or they take square tables on a diagonal. Rectangular spaces take rectangular or oval tables. Now for 80% of the spaces that I work on, dining areas are rectangular, which means they would take an oval or they would take a circle, or I'm sorry, an oval or a rectangle. Only 20% of the time do we use a circle. 
Now, the room doesn't have to be a rectangle if it's got like a buffet on one wall. And when you do the math in front of the buffet to the wall across the parallel wall and the other two parallel walls, if that adds up to be a square, then a circular table is needed, right? So sometimes it's not always the architecture that defines the room. It's also the furniture placement that defines the open space. And in these very open rooms, because you've made this a very open space, what can define the size of the room is not the walls because there's an absence of them, but it can be the flow of the room. Like, do I need a very big walkway? If I need a very big walkway, it's made the usable space for the dining table much shorter, which perhaps has transformed it to a square. So math is going to determine what you do here. But let me just tell you, you have a linear pendant above the rectangular table. And a linear pendant is never okay, uh, or a linear chandelier, you can call it either way, but this is a linear pendant or chandelier, and it is never going to work above a circular table. So you would need to change out this fixture for a chandelier that is not elongated, and then the other thing is if you're changing the quote unquote shape of this room in a way that doesn't align with the architecture, but does align with the walkways, you may need to move the placement of this light fixture. Because of course we know that whether it's a circular table or a rectangular table, the chandelier needs to be directly over the center of the table. And we don't know where the center of the table is anymore if it may not be in the center of the room due to walkways. It's also going to necessitate you buying a new rug because we don't want a rectilinear rug under a circular table. That would make no sense at all. It's got to be square. Is it worth all the drama to get a circular table and more room in this room? For me, it's a question mark, especially because these walkways seem ample. So I think you're adding a lot more issues to a problem that could be solved in an easier way. That's just my two cents. But, you know, Justine, uh, these are just ideas off the cuff. You'll think more deeply and you'll keep us posted. Guys, if you have questions, if you're sitting at home saying, oh, should I have a circular table? Oh, do I have an awkward, awkward armchair? Well, you can always write me. You can ask me. All you have to do is go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast, and there's a form right there on the website. Fill it out. The question will come right to me, and I will answer it for you. Thank you so much for submitting and for listening to this episode, and I will be talking to you next week. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. 
And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.